I've studied the form of comics intimately. What you need is a hobby. Words and pictures, it could be more of an art form. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know, it's pretty goddamn weird. A guy dresses up like a devil and he's a blind lawyer, you know? We have to do Aquaman. No one with a lick of sense would watch that show. The word fan actually is a, an abbreviated form of fanatic. And there are some people who fit that category. I believe comics are our last link to an ancient way of passing on history. You can put on a uniform for football, Year-round, nobody cares. Basketball, year-round, nobody cares. Put on a Star Trek uniform, people get a case of the giggles. Yeah, hi, somebody told me they make comic books here. That's from Superman? Smallville. You have been trying that Jedi mind shit on me since the eighth grade. It doesn't work. Oh, it works. You guys must read too many comic books or something. People do not masturbate in the DC universe. That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Welcome back to Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and technically what I'm supposed to be talking about right now is weird stuff with Chris Honeywell, but I've had a pretty weird schedule lately. You know, just a lot of stuff has been going on, you know, with work and some family stuff and whatnot. And so, unfortunately for me, and I suppose unfortunately for you, if you enjoy the weird stuff episodes... Unfortunately for somebody, I'm not going to be able to do a Weird Stuff episode uh, this week, so that's the bad news. Now, the good news, again, for somebody, is I'm going to make good on a semi-threat that I made in the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group. Basically, what happened was, for those of you who don't know, uh, at the time that you guys are hearing this, it was probably probably a couple of weeks ago now, I was feeling all emotional and junk and kind of nostalgic about some stuff, and I was just posting a bunch of random bullshit on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook page, and then I asked, I asked the, uh, the membership, <clears throat> you know, I've got some kind of weird stories uh, about uh, freelancing. You know, because there was a time when I was a freelancer. And I've got some kind of weird and sort of funny stories. So, like, is this something that you guys want to hear? Like, would you want to listen listen to this? And the response was surprisingly positive, as it happens. So, here we are. What I'm going to be talking about today is adventures in freelancing. So... Before I can get into the adventures in freelancing, though, uh, guys, uh, you need to understand that, uh, you know, there's, like anything, context to all of this. And basically what happened was for about a year there, I was uh, working at a computer company located in the Heights, right? For those of you who live in Houston, this company was, at that time, located in the Heights. And so, worked there in, in this particular capacity, I worked there for about a year, and it's kind of tough to describe, but I was basically sort of like the all-purpose internet guy from February of 2002 until February of 2003, I was kind of the, again, all-purpose internet guy, right? Anything that had anything to do with the internet, that was my responsibility right? 
So I don't know exactly what you call that position because it encompassed selling computers and shit on eBay, but it also included redesigning the company's website and getting that a little bit more. At that time, SEO was kind of less of a thing, but to the degree that you really can get this stuff kind of SEO friendly, doing that, and you know, all of that sort of stuff. And guys, I mean, it sounds kind of quaint to think about it in these terms now, but you have to understand that you know, back in those days, again, like 2002 to about 2003, the idea of a small company selling their shit online was, it wasn't exactly a new idea, but there wasn't really a formula for this sort of stuff yet. You know, a lot of, a lot of kind of common sense things that people kind of take for granted these days, those things were not so common sense and they were not taken for granted back in the old days, right? And so that's where I found myself. So anyway, and you know, I, I, I gotta be honest here, guys, this, this particular job, I'm not going to say the company's name, but this particular job, it was never a very good fit. You know, for one thing, I just didn't really like the work all that much. I mean, I was happy to have work. Don't get me wrong. Didn't really like the work itself very much. You know, uh, it was one of those, it, it's like anything when you're in sales, which in effect, that's what I was, you basically, all you can really afford to do is watch the bottom line. And anything that doesn't expand your commission, you need to move away from that thing, whatever it is, right? And so I had less and less time to focus my energies on activities that didn't immediately earn money for me. And one of the reasons that earning money was kind of an important thing to do was I wasn't getting paid for shit, especially for all of 2002, right? I mean, and I don't, I don't want it to sound like too bad about it. Cause this was like the first real, like nine to five job I ever had. And so I was receptive to the idea that, look, you're starting out. This is literally the first time you've ever done anything like this don't expect to to bring home like 90k a year, you know, straight out of the box cuz uh partner that ain't going to happen, you know. And indeed it didn't. To say the very least, it didn't, you know. And so it was shit money and I was willing to tolerate it though because, you know, like I say, I mean you're starting off, you're brand new, you have to prove yourself on a lot of different things. And after I had proven myself, I was expecting a raise and the, and indeed I did get a raise, but it was not a raise commensurate with what I thought I deserved at that time. Uh, basically what it came down to was it was like some piece of shit, like one or 2% raise or something like that at the beginning of 2003. And it's like, guys, and again, I don't want to get into like specific numbers here, but I, but I, I told the executives, you know, guys, look, what you're paying me per year, I do that much and half again in sales every single month. Okay. There's no way I'm not paying for myself and then some to be here. You can afford to pay me more. It's time for you to do so. They had a different opinion. So in a hopefully not too self-righteous a fashion, I basically quit. And this is the kind of thing that you can do when you're 22 years old because you're 22, you know? I mean, you got options. There's stuff out there for you. Or so I thought. But uh, guys, we're talking about the early onset of 2003. And the simple fact of the matter is that the economy was not exactly on fire at the time, you know? It wasn't as bad as it would be, you know, about five years later. But you know, the pre, the pre October, 2008 economy, it was nothing to write home about guys. It really wasn't, you know, I mean, I was there, I was struggling to make my way. I know exactly what that, what, what that economy was like. And it was, it was shit. Now it wasn't shit, like, like I say, it was not shit on a stick like the Obama era economy was, you know, but it, uh, wasn't anything great either, you know? So for those of you who insist on being either nonpartisan or bipartisan, well, there you go. This is a bipartisan, shitty economy, right, that we're talking about here. So 
basically, I kind of found myself in a situation where, you know, I quit the only job that I had without really much of a backup plan. And so just started looking around for other work and couldn't find it. And so things are starting to get kind of interesting for me. I mean, yeah, you know, it's not like I was in any danger of becoming homeless or anything like that. But I don't know. It's just, you know, you're a guy and you want to earn money, you know, and you want to have a job and you want to actually do something that's worthwhile. And I didn't have a job. I wasn't making money and I wasn't doing anything much that was worthwhile. So, hmm. so I was kind of out of ideas. And so what ended up happening was I kind of just fell ass backwards into freelancing. And I don't think anybody really intentionally starts out you know, with the agenda of becoming a freelancer, it just kind of sort of happened, right? Basically, I got an email, and it was sort of out of the blue, but I got an email uh, from uh, this uh, woman uh, that I, uh, she'd been a uh, an instructor of mine, you know, when I was in, when I was in college, and uh, basically she said, look, uh, this is kind of unusual, it's a little bit unorthodox, but I know somebody who who needs a web page, and you're one of the few designers that I know. Would you mind making them a web page? It's you know she said she didn't really know what you know what the pay was going to be like, but she had reason to believe it was probably going to be you know pretty decent. And so you know like as a favor to her, would I do this right? And just for I'm not sure. If, well, I guess she will actually probably come up again in this conversation before too or this discussion before too much longer so i'll just go ahead and give her the phony baloney name brenda that is not actually her name but for references sake we will just call her brenda right so i replied to to brenda and you know yeah you know how it is i mean you want to you want to save face a little bit you know you want to have some dignity here sure brenda as a favor to you I'll make time in my schedule and I will build them a web page. But remember that I did this as a favor for you, you know, and all of that, you know, because if people don't know that they're saving your life, sometimes they think they're in your debt. So just something to keep in mind there, guys. So anyway, uh, and so whatever happened, happened. And that just it, it kind of snowballed from there, you know, uh, more leads just kept coming my way, you know, people who uh, need a website built for them. So I would do that. Or they have a website, but they need somebody who can, on a part-time basis, you know, like a couple of hours a week, just update the web page. So I would do that. Or just, you know, whatever it is that they needed to have done, I would do that for them, right? And I don't, I honestly don't think that you could, well, I, I say that, I Maybe you could do that sort of thing today. I honestly don't know how you could possibly get into that. But, you know, back then, there, there were not so many designers running around that, you know, you had like tons and tons of competition. And a lot of those WYSIWYG uh, web editors, they were, they, they were really primitive. And so, you know, like today, you know, everybody has like a WordPress or something like that. And so I would think that the the market for designers, like an actual designer, has got to be... Um, I don't know, kind of small, I would imagine. But back then, none of this stuff really applied. So anyway, and so, you know, I just kind of found myself bouncing around from, you know, one freelance web design gig to another freelance web design gig to a web hosting gig to a more of like a like kind of web page maintenance gig, you know, and boy, oh boy, was the money coming in after a while. To start off, things were a little bit a little bit slow to start and that is perhaps a good way to begin with the first story so basically i went up to um uh went up to my college uh basically to have a meeting with some people i needed to basically go up there take some photos and uh you know meet with people figure out you know like what they want their web page to be this this uh, group or this club or whatever they were uh Basically, I just needed to get an idea of who these people are, what they're looking for, and, you know, basically kind of get those uh, portraits made, so you know, for the About Us section and, you know, all that fun stuff. And so, anyway, basically went up there, you know, for that, and that required me to go 
deep in the heart of Tomball. Or at least to go through it to get where I was going. But anyway, you get the idea. And for those of you who don't know, Tomball, Texas, at, at least back in those days, it was a medium-sized town that was pretty sure it was Mayberry from the Andy Griffith show. It's like they never really... They never really got comfortable, I don't think, with the amount of growth that they underwent in the mid to late 90s, you know, because there was a time when Tomball kind of was sort of a one-horse town, and then starting in the early 90s, and God knows after, it just got bigger, and it got bigger and bigger, and there was more development, there was more shit being built, but it's like the culture of the town was still very small town. And so the police department is consequently very, or at least they were, very small town in their their mindset, you know what I mean? And so, anyway, all of this is a long way of saying that I ended up getting pulled over by a cop, right? So she pulls me over, and she said, yeah, you know, when I was driving by, I saw you at the red light there. You know, when I was driving by, I noticed that you had a, that, that you had a, a an expired, uh, registration sticker. And I was like, yeah, sorry about that. It's been, a, it's been, uh, you know, kind of, kind of weird times for me lately. I haven't really had time or God knows money, uh, to, you know, get, you know, little things like that straightened out, but I'll get it straightened out and everything's going to be a-okay. And she said, okay, well, fine, but you need to know that your inspection is out as well. Your Texas state inspection, that's expired as well. I was like, yeah, well, kind of a, you know, variation on, you know, the same thing. Times have been tough. I've just been really busy. Haven't been making a whole lot of money. So I will take care of that. She said, okay, all right, fine, fair enough. Uh, can I see your license and registration, please? And I was just thinking, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I, I already knew where this was going, and I knew it wasn't going to be pleasant, right? So... I hand over my driver's license, and she says, you know this is expired too, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. So then I pass over my uh, my insurance information to her, and she didn't even say anything to that. She just stares at it for a minute, and she looks up at me, and, and, and I just I couldn't help myself. I was like, okay, look, I know what you're thinking, but the reason that's expired too, and it's like she just didn't want to hear it, you know? And so she just said, will you just turn off your car and step out of the car, please, for me, sir? And I was just thinking, oh, shit, what now? So anyway, I got the whole pat down and all of that stuff. Uh, handcuffed, tossed in the back of uh, her police cruiser. Uh, my car got taken off into impound, and I was taken to the pokey, guys. I'm talking fingerprinted, mugshot, whole thing. I was arrested for expired everything, you know? And honestly, I mean, you know, I, I guess fair is fair. I wasn't really, eh, being a very responsible citizen at the time. So, but you know, fuck it. I mean, it's like you're, you're 22, you know? I mean, 22 year olds do stupid stuff all the time. I mean, this is, this is by no means the stupidest thing that a 22 year old had ever done. Hell, I happen to know for a fact that that was not the stupidest thing that a 22 year old was doing in the state of Texas at that time. Guys, the stories I could tell you about Jenna Bush, oh boy. So anyway, but maybe that's another topic perhaps for another day. Anyway, <clears throat> so basically I was, uh, you know, I got frisked and, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's been all these years later. So I guess there's, oh, fuck it, I'll just tell you. Uh, basically, uh, the officer who arrested me, she grabbed a handful of my junk. And I don't think that was like an accident either. You know, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just like she was acting like real weird with me the whole time, you know. But, you know, all along what I'm thinking is I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. You know, but I mean, you, you can't really tell her that, you know, because you're, you're in the back seat of the police car. She's driving you along. And so I thought, well, there's I'm not going to be able to talk my way out of this. OK, ship sailed. All right. And so I'm just sitting there in the back seat, cuffed and all that. And so. Uh, I, I just call her out to her. I say, hey, officer, would you mind turning on the lights and the siren and all of that? And she says, no, I'm not doing that. And why do you want that anyway? And I told her, well, look, I mean, I just I'm under arrest. I'm going to jail. I want to get the I, I want to get the full effect here. You know what I mean? So anyway, so she told me to shut up. 
and uh, so I, I shut up. So anyway, I uh, got taken to uh, the uh, town jail, and you know, speaking of Mayberry, I uh, got taken to jail and you know, booked and all that stuff. And so, you know, there's this. It's a trope on TV. You know, you hear it all the time. I'm allowed one phone call. Well, you're allowed as many phone calls as you want. The issue is all of the calls that you make, even if they're local calls, all of the calls that you make, they're all collect. Or at least they were back then. These days, I don't know. So anyway, so basically I called my girlfriend and I basically said, yeah, hey, look, uh, so here's what's going on and I need you to come down here and bail me out, right? And so uh, she said that, you know, she'd, she'd get get to work on that for me. So I hung up the phone and I'm just, as you can imagine, you know, something less than happy with my lot in life at that moment. And so the officer, I guess, feeling kind of like a smart ass. And again, she was just acting just weird, like the whole time, just weird. Um, you know, like creepy, you know? And uh, so she said, you know, what's the problem? Like, what's going on? And I said, well, basically what's going on is I just had to call my girlfriend and explain this whole situation to her and ask her to come down here and bail me out, you know? And she said, yeah, and? I was like, well, my girlfriend's mother and I, we don't exactly see eye to eye, and that's when I'm not in jail. She and I just do not get along. Oil and water, man, oil and water. We just we just don't get along. And I, And something tells me, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but something tells me, that uh, my stock with her is about to plummet even more. And uh, this is not to speak, of course, of, you know, my stock with my girlfriend. I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, jailbird boyfriend. I mean, that's not so cool, is it? And she's like, so she makes this, like this big production, the officer does, right? Makes this big production of getting out of her chair. And she just kind of wanders over to me and she's like, you know, rubbing my shoulder and stuff. And she's like, well, you know, you'd be surprised. A lot of girls like the bad boy. And then as now, I just didn't really know what to say to that, you know. I'm five foot ten, red hair, glasses. I'm kind of a geek. I look like a geek. Nothing about me is a bad boy, okay? Nothing. Nothing at all about me is a bad boy. That was my thinking at the time, right? And so I was thinking, well, you know, this idiot doesn't know what she's talking about. <clears throat> but then after I did get bailed out, yeah, I, I very much was the bad boy in my girlfriend's eyes. And that's maybe as far into that as we need to go. But suffice it to say that, you know, the day started off shitty, ended not bad, you know, not bad. So <clears throat> anyway, so I guess adventures and freelancing story number one, you might get arrested, right? So anyway... Flash forward about six months, and I'd gotten all that stuff taken care of, the insurance and the driver's license and, you know, state registration, all that. I'd gotten all that stuff up to date, so everything's okay. And one of the reasons that I was able to do it really quickly is, well, I mean, number one, there's like now a legal compulsion that you do so because people with guns are on the other side of this thing saying, hey, yeah, you need to get this taken care of, bro. <clears throat> but the other thing was, you know my kind of freelance activities, they really were starting to take off and I was making some pretty decent money. A lot better than I was making, I might say, at the computer company from which I had quit. So all in all, things were going all right, you know? Now, there are times when you're a freelancer that you're going to have like some really, really fucking weird meetings with clients or potential clients or just whatever, you know? You're going to have weird meetings like this sometimes, right? So one such, it, it basically involved me going to uh, going to an office that it was basically staffed entirely with women, you know? Now, I would have thought that something like that, it would have to be actionable, right? Because the only way that you're going to have an office that's made up totally of women, only them and nothing else, is if you do it on purpose, I would have thought, but it's like nobody really seemed to be making all that big a deal out of the fact that, hey, this office has prejudicial hiring practices. You know, maybe maybe somebody needs to look into this, you know, and, and all of that didn't happen, right? So anyway, 
I showed up and actually got there a little bit earlier than I was originally expecting. And really what it, what it came down to was traffic. It wasn't as heavy as I thought it was going to be, right? And for those of you who are interested, this was uh, this office at that time, I don't know so much about now, but at least at that time, was located in Kingwood, right? So we're not talking just about women here. We're talking about very rich women, right? Some might even say spoiled. So anyway, <clears throat> ended up getting there a little bit sooner than I was expecting. And um, I saw this chick who looked to be kind of sort of my age, you know, leaving the building. And she was carrying uh, her little uh, Apple laptop with her and all that. And I got just kind of a sinking feeling all of a sudden. Not right away. It actually took a sec for it to, to set in. But I was like, I wonder... I wonder if this office has put this project out to bid and what they're going to do is just basically pick whoever's bid is lowest. Huh? Because this chick, she just seemed kind of nerdy looking to me. And I thought, you know what? She could be a freelancer herself. And maybe I've got some competition that's going on here. <laughs> so uh, who knows? <clears throat> so, uh, head inside the office and I, uh, <clears throat> I uh, I meet with the with the uh, the woman that's kind of running the show over there, and you know just talking yeah and you know pl pleasantries and whatnot, and then you know finally we start ta talking turkey on what exactly it is that she's looking for you know I want the site to you know have X Y and Z and it's got to be able to do this and all these other stuff, and I thought okay yeah you know no problem no problem I can uh, set that up for you, and uh, you know basically quoted her. Uh, just kind of, it wasn't even like an official price. It was more like an estimate. It's like, you know, the what you're talking about, you know, the amount of hours, yeah, I'm thinking it's probably going to be somewhere in this range. And, uh, you know, she seemed pretty comfy with that. <clears throat> but again, <clears throat> you know, just started looking around, and I'm not seeing anyone working here except women, you know, just women. And just the, uh, the tone of the conversation that I was having with the, you know, with this manager chick, you know, just like her tone of voice and her demeanor, body language and all this stuff. I, again, the sinking feeling, you know, I think I'm wasting my time here. I don't think that I'm going to get this gig. And as it turned out, I didn't, you know, uh, what I've noticed is that if women have a choice to hire a man or a woman, like 99% of the time, they're going to want to hire the woman. It's just the way that things are. So anyway, just life lesson there, I guess. If you ever find yourself interviewing uh, for something with a woman and you see a shit ton of women in this office, if you're a guy, you need to understand your odds of getting this gig, they're really not all that good, I don't think. So anyway, this whole thing, I was pretty sure was going to end up being a waste of time. And so it was. So, but, you know, near the end of the meeting, I was like, you know, hey, um, I hate to do this, but this meeting has gone a little bit long. Um, I need to, I, I need to run to the men's room. Um, where is it? And she made this face like, God, I wish I had a picture of this. She made this face like, you know, like sometimes somebody will like just kind of smile at you. And it's like, yeah, no problem. You know, it's right over there. Yeah. Just, you know, go on over and just, uh, Come on back, right? Other times, though, people smile at you, but there is no joy. There's no happiness. There's no warmth. There's no nothing in this smile. There's This is like the smile of malice, right? This is a smile of, I'm going to stick you one. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to get one over on you. And so anyway, so she tells me, and she's like, yeah, <laughs> men's room. Uh, yeah, uh, the bathroom's right on down the hall. You know, you can just find it. It's right over there. And so, um, you know, so walk down this little breezeway, you know, hallway looking thing. And I noticed that not necessarily every woman in the office, but I would say like the great majority of them, they're just watching me as I go along. And they're all flashing the same smile, the same kind of like malicious type of smile at me. And I was thinking... Uh, I, yeah, yeah, what am I getting myself into here? So go in the restroom and I found out what I was getting myself into. Um, there isn't a men's room. 
This literally is a woman's only bathroom because they had glued the toilet seat down. Now, I know what a lot of you are probably thinking right now. But Magnus, but Magnus, you can sit down to go to the bathroom. What difference does it make? The difference is, guys, I'm a guy. It goes against my simple, basic principles to pee sitting down. I'm sorry. It does. All right. And so, you know, I thought, you know, they did this on purpose. You know, I don't know if they necessarily called a guy like a male web designer in here specifically so they could make him go to like the women's room or something like that. I doubt they were thinking that far ahead, but they knew what I was going to find when I got in here. Right. And that's why they were all giving me that evil, nasty grin, you know, as I made my way, you know, down the breezeway, you know, to the bathroom, you know, that's why everyone thought it was so fucking funny that a, that a man was about to go in there. Right. And so, uh, Well, let's be realistic. There's no chance in hell, really, that uh, I'm going to get this this uh, this uh, contract. So, you know what? Maybe it's time to have maybe a little bit of revenge, right? So, I noticed that, uh, you know, the sink, that may be an ideal spot to have some revenge. So, uh, if it sounds like I, I uh, peed in, in the sink... That would be because I, in fact, peed in the sink. Yes, I admit it. I peed in the sink, the, the same sink that women, these evil, nasty, horrible women, wash their hands in, and I don't, then or now, feel all that guilty about it. So, anyway, and on top of that, I made a special point of uh, turning on the faucet so it sounded like I was washing my hands. Then I took a leak. Then I did not wash my hands. And then I thanked the manager for her time and made sure that I shook hands with her having not washed them, and I thought, you know what, now we're even. So, anyway, never underestimate the petty vindictiveness of a Scotsman, y'all. So, anyway, <clears throat> so sometimes you get kind of malicious meetings like that. Like, when you're a freelancer, sometimes weird shit like that's going to happen where you have a meeting with people who, for whatever reason, just hate your fucking guts, and there's nothing you can do about it. You're not going to get the contract, you're not going to get the money, you're not, get, you're not even going to get their fucking respect. But maybe you can return fire at them a little bit. So that's what I did. Speaking of returning fire, uh, one of the directions that my uh, freelance career started taking me in was uh, kind of taking me in deeper and deeper into the Houston legal community. Because for those of you who don't know, like all of these judges and all of these attorneys and whatnot and prosecutors and defense lawyers and all this stuff... Uh, all of these different companies that do like litigation support and all that stuff. Guys, these people are thick as fucking thieves. All right. So once word gets around that, uh, that Magnus does a, you know, he makes a pretty decent little web page. And uh, you guys may want to hire him to update your web page because you built that web page back in 1995. And boy, does it look like it's from 1995. So, you know, once word gets around, it's like people start coming to you, like all these different lawyers and all these different litigation support companies and, you know, these law firms and all this stuff, you know, they start coming to you. And so anyway, so one time, and this was probably, I want to say this is like a couple of weeks after I, uh, I, I uh, peed in the sink at that uh, Kingwood office. Uh, I found myself in Montrose and for Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to describe Montrose. If you're interested, Google Montrose in Houston. It's a pretty interesting part of town, guys. Just that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Some very nice looking lawns there. So anyway, <clears throat> so I was uh, heading up. I want to say it was uh, I want to say it was it was either San Felipe or it was Westheimer. I forget which, but it, no, actually, you know, what? I, I, I think it was Westheimer because I was Oh, I'm pretty far along into mantra, whatever. Anyway, so here's the story. Basically, I, I needed to meet with this uh, criminal defense attorney. He basically wanted to have a web page. He, he didn't have any kind of web page at all. He had no presence on the web whatsoever. And so basically what he wanted was to kind of have like a little bit of a vanity web page. You know, basically, this is who I am. This is my background. These are some of the cases that I'm sort of proud of. You know, these are the people, uh, you know, and some of these, some of his clients, we're not talking about like super duper, like celebrity types, but you know, if you're familiar with, um, I don't know, uh, Houston, 
like local celebrities, you're going to recognize some of these names. Now, I'm not talking about like necessarily for things like criminal defense, but more like, you know, he's on retainer. If God forbid they ever need a lawyer, he's going to be one of the first people that they call, you know, stuff like that. So anyway, it was basically, I find that, you know, lawyers tend to be kind of narcissistic to begin with anyway, but even by, by lawyer standards, this son of a bitch was, he was something else. I got to tell you, he was in a class by, by himself. So anyway, and so, you know, I want to say that I'd been meeting with the guy for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, if that, you know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, right? And, uh, you know, basically going through it with him, you know, um, you know, the meeting and everything and, you know, like the pitch. And unlike that office in Kingwood, I was like 99% sure that I'm the only guy that he's talking to. So not that I can necessarily charge him as much as I want. But I don't necessarily have to give him competitive pricing either, you know. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, sure enough. So, um, his his secretary, not even in the middle, like I said, I mean, we're still near the beginning of the meeting. Uh, his secretary uh, uh, sticks her head into the office and she's like, yeah, so I, for, I forget, I forget the, the, the guy's name that she said. It was uh, like smooth brain or, uh, or smooth glide or, or I forget what, or, or good boy. I don't remember. It was some kind of name though, like nickname like that. She said, you know, she's like, yeah, so smooth brains on his way over. Like right now he called just a minute ago and he sounds pissed. And so I'm thinking, oh heavens, you know, uh, what could this be about? And so the attorney whose name I shall not mention, um, he, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders nonchalant as you please. He, uh, he said, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. He reaches over into his desk and then he says, I got something for him this time. And he takes out like this, uh, it looked like a 38 caliber snub nose revolver. And he just starts like waving it around and like cocked the hammer on it too. And all that. And I was, I was thinking, Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Nobody told me that, we're, that people are going to like wave guns around and shit like that in this meeting. Right. So I was like, Oh shit. Look at the time. <laughs> hey, look, you know what? I think I've got a starting point on all this. And you know what? Um, I just remembered I double booked tonight. I think I've got another meeting just up the road with, uh, uh, you know, that other guy who does the thing, you know? So yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and, and, uh, uh, hit the road. I'm out of here, but look, I'm going to call you in a couple of days and, uh, you know, we're going to firm up these details and everything's going to be super cool. Right. I hit the door. Right. Cause look, if people are starting to wave guns and shit like that around, I don't know what's about to happen. I'm just pretty sure I don't want to be there when it starts happening. Right. And so sure enough, uh, get in the car, spark it up, and I'm about to turn out uh, back onto uh, Westheimer, and I see this big thug-looking guy, and he's carrying, um, it looks kind of like a really small curtain rod, but like it's got bulges and shit in it, and basically it looks like he's wrapped up a, a, a shotgun, and it looked like, uh, I don't know, like some kind of a wrapping paper or something like that. And I was, I was thinking, oh, so that must be smooth brain. <laughs> Time to go. And, you know, haul ass out of there, right? Now, look, I don't know what happened if there was a gunfight that ensued or anything like that. Because, guys, do you seriously think I'm going to call that attorney back after something like that? Fuck no. So, anyway. Moral of the story is, if you're freelancing, sometimes maybe the client's going to be a little bit crazy and just start waving a fucking gun around. So, and if he starts waving a gun around... Guys, that's your cue. Hit the door. All right. Get out of there. There's no ending to that story that you're going to enjoy very much. Right. So anyway. So uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Um, oh, yeah. This one was a real winner. Uh, basically, what happened was um, had a, uh, a meeting with uh, this was I want to say it was like some kind of a litigation support company. And, you know, as the name might might suggest, basically, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, like prosecution, uh, like prosecutors, like prosecuting attorneys and stuff like that, um, or for that matter, even, you know, like defense, defense attorneys, or even for that matter, like full scale law firms, they don't necessarily do everything that they do. They don't necessarily do that in house. Does that make sense? Like, 
if they have to present evidence or something like that in a trial, or if they have to create a bunch of notebooks to brief like this team of attorneys who's coming into something or a team of paralegals or whatever they've got, you know, they need to make a bunch of manuals and binders and shit like that. That does not necessarily happen in-house. Now, maybe sometimes it does. I wouldn't know. But as often as not, what'll happen is they just subcontract this stuff out to what they call litigation support firms, right? And these are people who don't necessarily have like any kind of a legal pedigree. They may have legal relations, like, or not legal relationships, relationships with the legal community, like professional relationships with the legal community, but they don't, they, they, they're not necessarily lawyers themselves. In fact, they're probably not. But what they do is if you need to have like a a picture or a photo, like photograph or something like that blown up, they might do that. Or if you need to like video record somebody's deposition, they might do that, you know? And so litigation support basically is, is what they call that. Right. So this basically saves, you know, the law firm or the, or the DA or, or whoever saves them the trouble of hi, of having like a digital video editor, like on staff full time, just in case they need to, you know, edit something or having like an actual graphic designer on staff, just in case they need to make something, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and so that's, that's basically, it's kind of a niche thing. And if you can get into that, believe it or not, there's actually a lot of money to be made doing that. But I've gotten the idea it can be competitive, right? So, I mean, like, I guess if you don't live in New York City or something like that, I honestly don't know if you should expect to be able to get into, you know, litigation support, you know, just like as a new guy, you know what I mean? Like a new company. But uh, anyway, so long story short, though, I uh, uh, had a meeting with a, a litigation support company and um, basically what happened was, uh, there wasn't really anything that was especially notable about this particular, uh, uh, meeting. It was, it was all very, you know, by the numbers, I've done it a thousand times, you know, quoting the prices and all that. And it looked, and and it looked like my, my chances of getting this contract were actually going to be pretty good. And so I was feeling all right, because this was going to be like a really fucking huge contract, right? And so I was going to be making, I was already doing okay at the time. I was going to be making a lot more money, you know, than normal off of this, right? And so, uh, anyway, so after it was over, I, uh, for, again, for those of you who are familiar with Houston, if you, if any of you remember uh, the movie theater called The Greenway, basically I was uh, heading up um, 59, I think it was off of 59. I was heading up 59, as I remember, uh, uh, toward the greenway. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I exit as I should. And keep in mind, I mean, it's not, it's not super late. At, it's not like it's barely evening to tell you the truth, but it's, it's basically off rush hour. You know, you're basically off peak hours at this point, right? By the time I finally got down there. And the reason I was going there was basically to meet with some friends so that we could see that movie, The Notorious Betty Page. <clears throat> and um, so uh, basically, you know, a friend of mine, uh, I'm going off memory here because it's really been, you know, wait, was this, was it The Notorious Betty Page? Okay, see, now I'm starting to second guess that. It, it was either, it might have, it might have been The Notorious Betty Page or it might have been that uh, Katie Holmes movie, Pieces of April, I forget what, but anyway, whatever fucking movie it was, that's what we were going to go see, and that's that's the point, and so, uh, you know, picked up a friend, you know, along the way, because it was on the way, so, you know, we head on down to, um, uh, to another friend's apartment, uh, I drop my car off there, we all pile into this friend's truck, and on we go, right, and before we even get to the movie theater, all hell broke loose, right? Basically what happened was, uh, you know, we were in the theater and, you know, right by 59 and there was this guy that like, it looked like he was about to crash into that little guardrail, you know, that guardrail that as you're good, uh, as you're entering onto the freeway, he looked like he was just about to just 
smacked right into that thing. And I guess he realized what was about to happen as he ran the fucking red light because he tried to, you know, uh, uh, cut uh, cut his steering wheel uh, so that he could avoid the barrier. But by then, too little, too late, right? So, guys, if I'm lying, I'm dying, all right? Motherfucker, James Bonds, his car, uh, two wheels are on the road. Two wheels are on uh, the, uh, the the uh, barrier, the guardrail for the freeway, and he's just James Bonding right down the street, right? Which I wouldn't have thought that the guardrail was strong enough to handle that kind of stress, but sure as shit it was. And so I was thinking, I have no idea how this is going to end. I'm just pretty sure that somebody's going to jail here, you know? We'll circle back to that. So anyway, and so... You know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, our light goes green, so we just kind of like follow the guy. You know, we don't, God knows, don't want to get in front of him. But it's like, you know, this guy is a menace, you know? And so uh, what's going to happen now? And so uh, sure enough, he comes down the other side of the guardrail and just his his, uh, car just crashes back down onto the pavement you can see like sparks flying around and there's like liquids and shit that, you know, are oozing out from underneath his car. And I was like, oh my God, this guy, this guy is drunk. And sure enough. And so what ensued is what I call the great drunken police chase. And so guys, I'm not a hero. All right. I'm not getting combat paint. It's not my job to stop this guy. But... I can call the cops and, you know, maybe, maybe they can stop this guy. Right. So, uh, yeah. Wouldn't, you know, call 911 and, um, you know, basically report, you know, everything that's going on. I was like, Hey, yeah, there's this guy. He's drunk as a skunk. He's, you know, flying all around on the road. He's crashing into shit. You know, he's almost hitting other cars and stuff. He, uh, you know, was driving, you know, two wheels on the road, two wheels on the fucking guardrail at one point. I mean, this guy's gotta be like just three sheets to the wind, out of his mind, drunk. So uh, you guys need to send some cop cars down here and uh, take care of this guy. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, dispatcher says, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll we'll have someone down there. Meanwhile, just stay on the phone with me. And, uh, you know, we, you know, don't put yourself in danger, but if you could just kind of try to be sneaky about it, follow him. And, you know, we, I'll try to guide the cop to wherever you are, because in theory, if the cop finds us, he's also going to find Mr. Drunk. A great theory, but didn't actually work out so well in practice. So at one point, the guy, uh, Mr. Drunk, he just stops at some little teeny tiny little strip center. And he's just sitting there. I don't even know what. It looked like he was opening his door, getting out, getting back into his car, uh, opening it again, getting out. And then what I realized is he's... Yes, he is drunk, but he's at least lucid enough that he knows he's about to just retch all over himself. And I guess he doesn't want to retch inside of his car. So he was getting out, retching, getting back in, getting ready to drive off, realizing he's got to retch again, getting back out, you know. And so he probably got out of his car, it had to be like three or four or five times or something like that. And this whole time, I'm just telling, uh, uh, 911 dispatch is like, okay, he's, he's at the strip center. He stopped and he's getting out of his car, get back in, out, in, out, in, out, in. He's not going anywhere, at least for right now. So like, this is the perfect time, you know, like if the cops were to show up like right now, this is the perfect time to get him Right. And so of course they didn't show up right at that moment. So I guess he was through puking at least for the time being. So <clears throat> he gets back into his car and uh, it turns back out onto the main road. And so, of course, we follow him. And wouldn't you know, heading in the opposite direction, I see a police car with like the lights flashing all around and the sirens going and all that stuff. And oh, shit. And so I was like, okay, dispatch, uh, you need to tell the cops they need to do a U turn. And it's like, click. The call dropped, right? Because I was making this call from my cell phone and the fucking call dropped because cell phones. So I was like, shit. Okay, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to... I'm probably not going to be able to get that exact same dispatcher back on the line. So, guys, what are we supposed to do? Should I call 911 again? Like, like what's the protocol here? 
right? And so we didn't really have very much time to figure it out because Mr. Drunk turned into a gas station. I guess because he realized he was going to puke some more. And so I just kind of came up with a plan just sort of on the fly, right? I was like, okay, guys, here's what what we're going to do. You guys stay here, all right? And if he starts driving off again, just follow him. I'm going to go find the cops, right? And so that's what I did. I went to find the cops. I took off down the road on foot looking for the cops that just passed us by, right? And this whole time, you know, like I get to my first block and I was thinking, <laughs> man, I'm out of shape because I was out of shape. Seriously, I thought my heart was about to explode at one point. Jeez. Anyway, so I want to say that I jogged maybe like a couple of blocks, right? But I was already just done, right? I mean, I am not a marathon runner at all, and I was already done in, right? And so I was thinking, man, sure hope I find the cops soon because this is really tiring. So uh, wouldn't you know, here come the cops. They're coming back the same way that I, that, that we had just come, you know, following Mr. Drunk to uh, the gas station. So I wave at him. I was like, hey, guys, you guys are looking for a drunk driver, right? Well, hey, I'm the guy that called it in. And, you know, he's actually just up the street. He's uh, at the gas station, or he was. <laughs> he was at the gas station. So uh, anyway, that's where you'll find him. And so here again, survival instincts, guys. You need to refine them. The cop, he says, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're here for. You know, that was, that's, that was the call that we were on. So he gives me this smile, and again, this kind of malicious smile. He says, why don't you get in the back seat? We'll drive you back up to the gas station, right? So at this point, I'm just thanking God that I don't have to run all the way back to the gas station now. And so get in the back seat, and uh, you know, we drive back up to, you know, back up to the gas station, and there I see Mr. Drunk's car, and I see my friends in their truck, and they're just trying to be all nonchalant about it. I was like, yep, there he is, that's the guy right there and so the cops start getting out of the car is like so you're letting me out right and they just like totally ignore me hey uh, guys guys you're, you're you're letting me out right uh guys hello and we're just like totally ignoring me right and all at once i'm starting to wonder you know what if mr drunk is armed and he's feeling kind of rowdy bullets might start flying and i got nowhere to hide so uh anyway so uh, the cops, um, they basically, I guess this is legal, I don't know. Uh, one cop just like stuck his head inside of the, the, uh, uh, the other guy's car, Mr. Drunk's car. And I guess he could either see empty alcohol bottles or he smelled alcohol on the guy's breath or the guy was just obviously transparently drunk. So, you know, there was no, there was no real preamble to it. He just opened up the car or the, he opened up the door, pulled the guy out of the car, and, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, you know, bent him over the, uh, the hood of the car and, you know, cuffed him. And then, and only then, did they let me out of the back of the squad car. And I was probably about halfway home before I realized, I realized what the game was, right? They got sent out on a call, and I think what they wanted to do was they wanted to come back with a perk. Not necessarily a drunk driver, but they wanted they didn't want to come back empty-handed is what it came down to. And here I was. So maybe I could I don't know. It's just a theory. Maybe they basically were gonna just have me tossed in the clink for something or other. So I don't know. Is that paranoid? I don't know. <sighs> anyway, so Adventures in Freelancing. Now, guys. I don't know if this story was like, or these stories were necessarily worth listening to because, you know, I mean, like, it's one thing, like, if you're having a conversation with somebody, you know if you're, you know if what you have to say is funny, but I'm just kind of sitting here just talking to thin air, so I have no idea if this was even worth waiting for or worth listening to or what, so I do hope you'll let me know, like, comment on Facebook or something like that and just, uh, just tell me what's up, so, anyway. There you have it, guys. Adventures in freelancing. And that, I think, is pretty much it for me this week. So, as to next week, what I'm going to be talking about is some more of Smallville 
season six, which is to say Smallville's shippiest season, but that's going to be next week. So I think that's pretty much it for me this week. So bye, everybody. I will see you next week. That's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks podcast network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at TwoTrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental, and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with DeMonzacore of Milan, Italy. <laughs> <laughs>